Hey, Bulldog fans, welcome back to the Drake Basketball Podcast. My name is Tucker, and I'm here with my co-host, Eduardo, and uh, we're ready to dive back into Bulldog Basketball. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, it's a little bit nerve wracking, like especially for for Drake, like you had such a senior laden class departing um, that you're just kind of just looking at each other like, so who's going to be on our roster? (laughs) Uh, But I think, you know, now we have a pretty good sense, uh, some really some really interesting recruits. And and I think I think the Bulldogs are going to be a super competitive team again. Uh, before we start diving into it, you know, one programming note uh, to mention our last podcast, we had the legend Dolph Pulliam on and it was a it was super fun to talk to Dolph. So please check that out on the Drake Basketball Podcast. But just to let you know that part two, as promised, because there is a part two to the interview will drop uh, shortly after this podcast. So also stay tuned to that. But I'll turn it over to you so we can start diving into what Drake basketball is going to look like this upcoming season. Eduardo, before we get started, I did want to check to see if you had seen uh, all the uproar on Twitter from Ben Jacobson's recent comments at a Northern Iowa rally regarding Iowa and Iowa State's refusal to play uh, their in-state mid-major rivals. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely, I did. I, You know, I think Coach Jacobson, I think, said what was on on everyone's mind, I think. Drake and you and I are obviously very, very tough mid-majors and have been for a while. Um, Drake, the past five years, uh, you and I, maybe a little bit, a little bit over a decade, but obviously two teams that are extremely competitive, um, two teams that would be fun to see against Iowa and Iowa State and on a consistent basis. And and I think obviously it all started after they announced Iowa announced that quote-unquote home game that they're having in Des Moines yeah I mean it's I I guess as a Drake fan and as a mid-major fan like it's it's frustrating that we have to kind of defend the reasoning as to why we should play our in-state rivals Iowa and Iowa State wants to come up with excuses as to why they don't (laughs) yeah it annoys the hell out of me like uh I had responded to David Eicholt, who I'm not exactly sure what he does. I know he's a Twitter sports figure. Um, He might be involved in media in real life, but he had tweeted, Iowa doesn't owe in-state mid-majors anything, especially if it's in a neutral environment. does nothing for their resume. And for me, that's a bad faith argument because they're playing Florida A&M in Wells Fargo Arena, which is where the Big Four Classic used to take place, and they're not doing that for their resume. Let's face it, Florida A&M is one of the bottom 10 teams in the country. That's not a game that basketball fans anywhere in the state of Iowa give a flying about. Like, There's no interest in that. They're a terrible team. It does nothing to help improve their team. Um, and then you've got Drake, which is an NCAA tournament team, literally in the city that you're playing in, and you refuse to play them because you're worried that it's going to hurt your brand. It's like nobody likes to hear that you're the team that you root for is like scared of playing another team. I, I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. Uh, 
I, I like how you're keeping Twitter receipts because this has this has been a a controversial topic in in the uh, state of Iowa for college basketball, right? If if they would just come out and say it, I feel like it would be much better for everyone to just come out and say, you know what, Drake and you and I are really good mid majors. We don't want to lose to them. We just prefer play, playing some cupcakes in our non-conference. So yeah, we don't owe them anything, and we don't want to play them. Like if they just said that, it'd be like, okay, cool. You know, we'll try to schedule some other teams on our on our calendar. But you talked about Florida A and M, and one that comes to mind from last year is they hosted Eastern Illinois. And I don't know if you recall, but they beat Iowa. And that was the the largest underdog victory in like decades. Eastern Illinois was a 30-point underdog and beat Iowa at Iowa. So I guess you better schedule opponents like that as opposed to trying to play Drake um, from time to time. But what do I know? Well, and it's like you said, I would have so much more respect if they just came out and said, we don't want to lose to Drake and you and I. It's the disingenuous arguments And it seems to be mostly Iowa fans, which for me is confusing because I grew up cheering for Iowa's football team because, you know, Drake is on scholarship football. So like I would always cheer for Iowa against Iowa State and football. And, you know, I would cheer against Iowa State. And then when it comes to basketball, you have Iowa definitely leading the charge to not play Drake or you and I. And Iowa State fans, I mean, certainly not all of them, but there's a much larger percentage seeming seemingly that are open to playing Drake and Iowa State. And they're saying, you know right. what? Yeah, this is good for basketball in the state of Iowa. These are fun games that I'm interested in watching. Yeah. And and I think it, it has to be said, too, in, in fairness to to each school, the women's programs are awesome. And those are, truthfully, probably the most fun games every year. Like, Caitlin Clark was in the nap in December. Like, that's terrific. Um, and so you you miss out on those opportunities on the men's side. And if if the women uh, who are unquestionably both Iowa and Iowa State, you know, much better programs have no issues uh, scheduling uh, Drake and you and I like I don't understand why why the men just can't just can't figure something out. And I, like I said, if you just want to come out and just say, hey, I don't really want to play you, fine, Like then let's drop it. But there's really no other argument because saying, well, we don't benefit from it, that's that's not a reason because you have a bunch of cupcakes on your schedule. So, Yeah, and I mean, I think you definitely do benefit from it. I remember the, uh, the Iowa State team that went to the Elite Eight, I believe, lost at Drake that year. And playing these these road games and really tough road environments because i mean if you come to the nap center as iowa or iowa state it's going to be sold out it's going to be an extremely intense atmosphere that's loud like it helps prep you for the rest of your games throughout your season and it's like would you rather play in a sold out nap center and get your guys used to that level of competition or would you rather beat prairie view a and m by 25 at home or yeah. in Iowa's case, lose to Eastern, <laughs> Eastern Illinois at home. Right. And and, uh, and that's a good point because um, I think Drake absolutely and you and I would be a team that you that you want on your on your resume as a win. Like, yeah, I get it. You know, depending on when you play Drake and depending on you know the how the non-con shakes out for mid majors. Um, yeah, they might not 
have the strongest uh, Kempom or whatever you know when you when you face off. But like, come on, there's there's plenty of games in the schedule. Hopefully, you know this kind of recent uproar with the Florida and A and M game with the Ben Jacobson comments. Hopefully, that puts some pressure on. All right, like, can we try to revisit this? Because they're just fun games. Like, just get over yourself. <laughs> exactly, get over yourself. And also, just to add to that, um, in terms of the argument that they're worried about, you know, dinging their NCAA tournament chances with a loss to what they perceive as a lesser than program, with the way that the college basketball system is set up now with net rankings, a power conference school, losses don't matter to a certain extent. all, All the committee cares about is quality wins, and you have a thousand chances for those in your conference schedule. So it's like you can lose to Drake and it it doesn't matter because they're still going to look at every win you have in conference and say, well, yeah, that's quality win, really good stuff there. And you can be under 500 and they'll still have you on the bubble. Right, right, exactly. I mean, it's obviously, you know, the game is the game is set to favor the, the power five or power six. And they, you get an eight, 20 game schedule or you know however many games you end up playing depending on your power power conference like you're gonna have 14 15 chances to beat a a ranked team like you have plenty of chances so keeping your non-con record intact it really doesn't matter it really doesn't yeah all right anyways now that we've ranted about that a little bit uh let's jump straight into drake basketball um obviously Let's talk about the team that Iowa won't get to play. Yes, exactly. Iowa, this is who you are missing out on losing to next year. From last year's roster, uh, obviously uh, a roster for the ages with uh, Penn, Sturts, Wilkins, um, three guys who who led the team to new heights. Um, They're all gone. Uh, You lose Penn, who averaged... 12 points a game, uh, four rebounds a game, and 5.5 assists, which is good for 20th nationally. You lose Garrett Sturts, who had nine points a game, six rebounds a game, uh, one assist. Wilkins, eight points per game, two rebounds per game, and one assist. So, like, those are huge, huge producers who finally taken off their jerseys. You know, it doesn't look like – okay well you know you know 12 9 8 but you know the reality is like they those three guys were so important to everything that drake did um you know it kind of goes far beyond just the stats like roman penn was the was the engine driving the offense Sturz was the swiss army knife he was our truthfully our, our best defender and our best rebounder uh probably even at, at his height and then dj two-way guard playing good defense making threes like so they lose a lot from the structure and the backbone of the of their identity um and then we still don't we still don't have uh, any concrete news on sardar calhoun the buzz around him is that he was trying to get a waiver for next year so i guess we assume he's gone but maybe slim chance that maybe he's back question mark yeah, if he could make a return, that would be huge for next year's squad. He fills a big need in terms of an athletic wing who can 
shoot the hell out of the ball. So um, I, I don't think the chances are good on it, but fingers crossed right. if he could come back, uh, that'd be a big experienced addition to the roster. Outside of the big three who are gone, we did also lose Okai Jamgoos. Okai only averaged three points a game, but he did shoot 52% from three, which I think might have led the nation. And he really helped us stretch the floor when he was in. Yeah, I wish Okai would have come back. I think I think there would have been a, a decent role for him this year. But I understand his desire to move on and go on to play for Maine. Uh, so, I, I mean, I hope he does well. He was. I feel like he was a, a great all-vibes guy for Drake on the bench. And he was always ready to shoot when he came into the game. Yeah, we're all Black Bear fans next year. Love to see Okai light it up. In terms of who's back, we've got several key contributors, including the reigning Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year, Tucker DeVries. So we return him, Darnell Brody, uh, Connor Enright, Nate Ferguson, and Eric Northweather. Uh, Eduardo, talk to me about what we've got coming back for next year. What do you see that stands out to you? For starters, the fact that Brody didn't enter the portal that's huge. I mean, he had an incredible year this past season. So having him back at center is massive. And then some of the other guys like Nate Ferguson was such a key big off the bench for Drake. Uh, I feel like we didn't get to see Northweather uh, really play a whole lot. You know, hopefully he can stretch the floor for us a little bit. And Connor Enright, really interested to see what year two looks like for him. Definitely proved himself as a good spark plug, as a good energy guy, as someone who's just going to battle and compete on defense. So I'm curious to see what his year looks like in year two, just because I just think that when he's on the floor, Drake plays with an energy that is not there when he's not on the floor. So uh, I, I'm curious to see how how Connor does in year two, and especially now that we're adding um, – some size and some shooting at the guard positions too. Yeah. I'm anxious to see whether Connor can officially lead the league in charges taken this year, because that's by far my favorite move of his when he slides over at extreme speeds, gets in front of a guy, gets planted and then takes a charge. Players on the other team get so frustrated watching him fall down, but like he's in legal guarding position. He gets there before they do. And it's always such a big momentum shift for Drake. And uh, it always looks like the guy's, on the bench are loving it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Connor gets no calls, by the way. I, I always talk about this, um, which I kind of get, uh, just kind of how he plays, but he <laughs> he never he never gets the benefit of the doubt. So that's that's kind of the core of what's coming back for Drake. But we got some good recruits coming in, both uh, from the portal and uh, some high schoolers. Yes, sir. Yeah, we have a good mix of high school recruits and transfers. We want to travel back in time. I believe the first recruit uh, was Chico Johnson. Is that right, Eduardo? I think he did yeah. in the fall signing period. Yes, I, yeah, th- I think you're right. Yeah, so Chico is a uh, hyper-athletic guard, um, and he, uh, he comes to Drake from Toledo Central Catholic High School. He reached a four-star ranking from ESPN, averaging 15 points per game and five rebounds per game. He had offers from Toledo, Bowling Green, Kent State, Akron and Ohio. I think the reason you don't see uh, any high major offers in there is that he tore his ACL back in the summer of 2022. And a lot of the schools that were looking at him may have backed off. 
he looks great. He looks great on tape. Uh, what are your thoughts on him, Eduardo? Yeah, no, I mean, the talent is definitely there. I mean, hopefully the kid has rebounded from his injury, but just just an explosive guard. I mean, he can score it. Decent size, you know, 6'3". Um, so I just think that when you, when you look at Drake's team this past season, uh, I think it's very clear that an area where, where we lacked was just overall athleticism just guys that can make a play um and and be a little bit more physical um and i and i think chico is a good fit for that you know when you look at our our roster last year sardar i feel like was kind of the only guy that from just like a jumping ability or just like let me go get that rebound let me go 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 drive it really hard he seemed to be the only guy that could do that for drake so i i hope that his explosiveness is there and He's got to be a good fit. I mean, he was a four-star ranking originally from in ESPN. So, uh, I think Coach saw exactly what a lot of the fans saw, which is that while Drake was extremely talented last year, you know, like a very skilled team, a lot of guys who could shoot the ball from deep, they did struggle sometimes when they played more athletic rosters. With a lot of the recruits we have coming in, fans are going to see a roster that resembles some of those earlier debris squads that we saw uh you know back when when he brought in uh Tramel and anthony because um, mm-hmm. that just makes such a big difference when you've got guys who just have a little bit more explosiveness and trying to get to the loose balls rebounds like they can just reach out a little bit further tip it and like in a tight game that can make all the difference sometimes so yeah definitely had a, a concentration in how he approached recruiting uh, with this cycle and and I also think too. I mean, with his injury, I I think it's it's good for him that I I don't think the expectation from Drake is, hey, you need to come in and be a major contributor right off the bat. I think he'll have a chance, a decent runway to kind of ease back into it and kind of get his legs, you know. Because I mean, it's so hard when you have a a torn ACL like that. Uh, I mean, I I've personally never had one, but just the recovery time and being out basically a full year so it'll be he'll he'll have some time to kind of grow into it uh but i just i think we should i want to talk about the guy that i'm the most excited about coming in and that's uh kevin overton from sunrise christian oh yeah oh yeah kevin overton that's a name that drake fans are going to be hearing a lot of um over the next four years Eduardo, I am in the same boat with you. I am 100% all in on Kevin Overton. He's the most excited I've been about a recruit uh, since we got DeVries Jr. He he just has everything. Um, he's a 6'5 combo guard uh, with a 6'11 wingspan. Uh, he's extremely athletic. 24-7 sports ranked him as the number seven ranked player in Kansas, uh, number 37 combo guard overall in the class of 2023. He had offers from St. Bonaventure, North Texas, San Diego, Tarleton State, Ball State. He led a 30-win team in points and steals and was third on the team in assists. Have you gotten a chance to watch a lot of footage of him? Yeah, it's uh, and granted, like I understand, like sometimes when you're looking at at high school guys, um, you know, everyone can look good on a high a highlight reel, but I think the thing that stands out with Overton's game is he's just he's so smooth I think everything he does is very fluid um you know from a decision making standpoint he 
he can he's a good passer he can create his own shot he can hit the three so when you're when you're watching some of his highlights watching parts of his games like he he just does a really good job of reading the defense um and again so i'm i'm so pumped uh for him i think he is like the perfect type of player that drake needed a guy that has size a guy that can shoot it and a guy that can just give gives them a little bit more versatility on the ball. Yeah, he reminds me a little bit of a prototypical recruit for VCU when Shaka Smart was there because he would always get these ultra long yeah. guards that mm-hmm. were incredible defenders and then could handle the ball on offense. And as you watch him, he's just so composed. Mm-hmm. Um, he waits, he sees what develops. Um, and he can score on three levels. He's great at driving all the way to the rim. He can shoot the mid-range pull-up. And you mentioned how smooth he is. A lot of these highlights where I'm watching him, the guy who's guarding him at the three doesn't realize he's shooting it until it's halfway to the rim. One second he's dribbling, and the next second it's it's through the net. Right. He's he's exciting. Uh, he really is. And you know, we'll we'll get into kind of how we envision uh, some of the roster lineups breaking out, but I, I expect him to be starting day one, to be honest, and, and being a, an instant contributor. Yeah, I, I did get a little bit nervous during the recruitment because from my understanding, Corey Edwards, who's now an assistant coach at High Point, was one of the lead recruiters on him. And when he went to High Point, I was like, just please, please don't lose Kevin Overton. But... I read an interview with him where he said that DeVries showed him a lot more love than a lot of the other head coaches who were recruiting him. And so I think that shows how highly this coaching staff values him and and what he's going to bring to the court. (laughs) Drake basketball podcast values him as well. (laughs) Brought to you by Kevin Overton. Yes. So who are you, who are you most excited about for, because we got, we got three more uh, or three more transfers or three transfers to talk about. So who excites you? Uh, I just I just went with Kevin Overton. So who's who moves the needle for you with the three guys we got coming in? We have so many great players coming in. It's, that's a nigh impossible question. <laughs> but in terms of immediate impact for that, it might be Ethan Roberts. Um, mm-hmm. Transfer from Army. He's a 6'5 forward and the Patriot League freshman of the year. This is a huge pickup. And... It was interesting because things had been so quiet on the recruiting front and you were beginning to wonder if we were ever going to sign someone. And then out of nowhere, he just announced that he had committed. Yeah. And and I agree with you. I mean, when you take a step back with what was missing with, with Drake's team this past season, you know, we talked about just having some athleticism and some guys that can really attack the rim. The other area, even though we, we did have, we did have some shooters, but it always felt like we still needed just one more guy that could stretch the floor, especially at the three and four position. And that's Ethan Roberts. I mean, that's, that's what this guy does. I mean, shot, shot over 40% this past season, uh, just quick release, um, just attacks when he needs to. So we're, we're kind of loading up on having these guards that can attack. Um, you have Tucker DeBreeze with his all around game. And now you have someone who can just camp out, catch, shoot. And yeah, like from that standpoint, he'll be a perfect fit into the offense right away. Yeah, 
Ethan almost reminds me a little bit of uh, a, a younger Tucker DeVries, not quite as developed in terms of his mid-range game, mm-hmm. but in the sense that he's he's a great shooter who can then take it inside when needed. I think uh, if he can sort of learn from from Tucker in terms of developing that you know short corner post and fade um, and some of the moves that he does a little bit closer to the basket, I think he's going to be absolutely great for us, and the Valley is going to get really tired of hearing his name. Another great transfer that we have coming in, uh, Atten Wright. Uh, he's a transfer out of Cal State Northridge, and he is the only transfer to Drake in my lifetime and probably ever who has scored 40-plus in a Division One basketball game. Tucker will do it this year, though, so I guess you'll get, you'll get to see it. No, 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 transfer, transfer. Oh, transfer. You said transfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because obviously if we're talking 40-plus, we've got uh, RC3 Richard Carter, who scored 40-plus against UIC. Who could forget? Who could forget RC3? Um, but yeah, Atten is a transfer from Cal State Northridge. Uh, he's a 6'1", two-guard, two-time All-Big West honorable mention, uh, averaging just under 17 points per game. The big thing about Atten is that he shoots free throws like nobody. Um, Drake's leader in free throw attempts last year was Tucker DeVries with 141 attempts, and Atten shot 175 free throws uh, at 86% from the line. So he's he's quick, he's crafty, he knows how to draw contact. What's what's the thing that stands out to you about him, Eduardo? No, that's, that's obviously the number one thing um, when you look at his overall game, uh, very quick, obviously someone that attacks the basket relentlessly. And, you know, he's not he's not a great shooter. Uh, he can be a little bit of a volume shooter at times. But the thing that makes him so consistent is the fact that he can just get to the rim, get fouls, you know, go to the line, 86% free throw shooter. Um, so again, like I, I know I'm, I'm not trying to sound like a broken record and I hope we're not coming off like we're we're talking about Drake as a as a perfect team uh, or anything like that. But again, you you look at what need does a team attend right fill for Drake. And again, it's having a guard, a quick guard who can create contact, put the, the other team in the bonus um, and just get to the line. Which again, like when you go through um, these some of these recruits and some of these transfers, like it it just it feels to me like everyone has a specific thing that Drake was lacking this past season, or that Drake could have been doing better. Um, and now and now we get to have it here at Drake. Eduardo, can we view this as an official rebuke of NCAA tournament refereeing last year? Because as Drake sets the record for biggest free throw differential in their game against Miami. Right. Darren goes out and signs a guy who has got to be one of the the leaders in the entire nation and free throw attempts. He, he was probably thinking about the game and he's like, you know what? I need to go get myself some more free throw shooting. Um, <laughs> got, got, got one portaling. Uh, and this is what he came up with. Uh, but no, I mean, it, it, it really does help. Like, a lot of times, you know, in a basketball game, you go you go through these spells where where your offense isn't flowing, where it doesn't look pretty, you're out of rhythm, and 
you either you either need someone that can get you a bucket or you need someone who can draw you a foul and and, and get you some points that way so just uh, I, I mean i'm interested to see like how that transition looks like from from the big west to to the valley uh but again you know obviously two-time all big west honorable mention a a guy that can go off at any point um so i mean i expect the transition to be smooth but yeah i mean just just a nice solid addition and again uh adding some quickness um to the guard position for drake yeah and i believe it was atten who said this it was either atten or the next guy we're going to talk about kyron gibson but i think it was atten who listed his reason for wanting to transfer is just he wanted to be in a program that had the potential to win. So like he's, he's coming here specifically to win. And I think when you have someone who has the skill set that he has individually, but wants to come somewhere to win as a team, I think that speaks really well for his potential to then mold into what the team wants to do. Sometimes you get guys who will just take over the core, but to the detriment of the team, like a James Harden, let's say. <laughs> Without naming any names, like a James Harden enemy of the podcast yeah um but yeah i I think he's gonna fit in really well uh i think coach will know exactly how to use him um and yeah we're excited to we're excited to see on the court atten it's almost like we we need to take like a segment break or something because we got so many guys so many new guys that are coming in and we're not done there's more there's more guys coming in Exactly. Let's take a break uh, to hear from some of our sponsors. The Drake Basketball Podcast is brought to you by MeUndies and HelloFresh. Oh. And Marta, who are some of our other sponsors? I don't know, but we should we should Raygun. Raygun will sponsor us, right? It would see that seems like a good fit. It does seem like a good fit. Let's say we're sponsored by Raygun. They yeah. officially endorse all of our positions, no matter how crazy or obscene. Just from a legal standpoint, Raygun does not endorse this podcast. <laughs> Neither does Wendy's or Hello. We do, we do not have any any sponsors. Uh, but <laughs> but we do have a lot of transfers and recruits coming in. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> yes, sir. Next up, Kyron Gibson, a transfer from Texas Arlington. Uh, Kyron is a six-one guard. He was a JUCO second-team All-American at either Lee College or Angelina College. I'm not sure which, because he was at two different JUCOs before he came to Texas Arlington. But at Arlington, he averaged 11 points a game, four assists. The biggest thing that stood out to me when I was watching film on Chiron is that he is extremely strong. He's crafty with the ball, but he's not hes not a wisp of a man. He weighs 200 pounds. He takes contact, then makes something of it. Yeah. Bring some good size to the point guard position. I mean, I think when you look at um, the guards that are coming in, I think I look at Gibson as kind of the steady point guard of the lot, um, kind of the more traditional, you know, run run the point, run the team, um, which is kind of why I could kind of see him uh, starting for Drake this, this uh, upcoming season. Like, I could see it um, just because I think that's kind of – more his game. Uh, when you look at some of our other guys, uh, you have some more scoring, um, kind of some more versatility. But someone needs to run the show too, and I, th- I think that might be that might be him. Yeah, I'll be very excited to see. I mean, from a lineup standpoint, Devries does such such a good job of adjusting who's playing depending on the situation. That 
you know, starting lineup doesn't always mean the most depending on minutes played, but regardless of whether he comes off to the bench or whether he starts excited to see Mr. Gibson in action. Do you want to go through the, the other, other couple guys? Because again, we're, we're not done yet. Uh, but I feel like we've touched on, on the guys that are probably going to be the, the key contributors for Drake this past season. And if we've been talking too much about, recruits and transfers and what this means i think the summary of what we've gone through is drake's going to be really good this upcoming season again yeah the staff just nailed this off season like it, it took them a while to announce so i mean i know portions of the fan base were concerned well and you know one thing i'll say about debris and his staff like we really don't we don't get guys just for the sake of getting guys and i feel like that's part of the reason why debris tends to be successful is the guys that he's adding i believe he's very clear in what their role is going to be and how they fit in um and i think that's again i think that's part of the reason why he has such good success with building rosters and with the transfer portal because everyone is on the same page i mean take take for instance even like Brody this this past season, like he 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 said multiple times in interviews, like I was in a bad place, like I didn't play a lot, you know, two seasons ago. But Coach Zabriz was super clear on the, these are the things you need to work on, these are the things that you need to do, and this is what's going to keep you on the court. And he did those things. He improved a lot, and he was a centerpiece uh, of the team, which I I would have never thought like after the kind of the previous couple seasons from Brody, like it was like a 180. Um, so I think like, I think that's just a small example of that's why roster building has gone well for Debris. I don't think he overcommits to guys. And I think he gets guys and tells them this is your role. And this is what I think is, this is what I think we're going to build here. Yeah. I mean, he tells them you're going to play if you earn it. Whereas a lot of coaching staffs will, tell recruits whatever they think it is that they want to hear. I'm sure when Joe Yesfu went to Kansas, Bill Self was probably saying, yeah, I could see you sure. as a, you know, as the starting point guard at Kansas, it's going to be great. And then he mm-hmm. rode the bench for two years. Yeah. I mean, for, for Drake fans, if the, if you're, if you weren't keeping up with Joe Yesufu's, uh portaling season, um, he did enter the portal again from Kansas and he did have Drake as one of his final six teams, I believe, um, but he ultimately ended up at Washington State. And to be honest, like I, I love Yesifu and I would have loved to have him back at Drake, but I legitimately think that he didn't pick Drake because he wouldn't have gotten as much playing time. Like there's just Yesifu's a really talented guy, and I think he he would have been a contributor, but I don't think he would have been like a surefire, hey, you're the number number two option on this team. Um, and I think ultimately that's why he decided to go to Washington State. He'll have kind of more of a run, more of a runway from what I've seen in his interviews. He's very interested in playing uh, professional basketball at some level. Uh, so he knows he has to put in a good season and, you know, put in a good a good showing of his stats and all that. So I, I understand um, why he left. But I mean, the yes, it was exam- example is a good example of what I was talking about programs that just kind of stockpile guys and i think yesifu probably thought he was going to play more in kansas and it's just kind of how it shakes out should we jump back into our remaining recruits 
Please, I mean, there's still there's still promise there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, our remaining guys are both high school players, Colby Garland and Patrick Bath. Colby is coming to us from Link Prep Academy. He went to high school in Arkansas. I saw someone on the message board posted that he averaged uh, 18 points a game. I couldn't find a lot of information online about his averages. That may just be because I didn't look hard enough. But uh, the footage I saw of him, he definitely uh, looked like a quality guard. You're making you're making our research team look really bad. You know? I mean, yeah, I meant our research team couldn't find the stuff online. Yeah, yeah, they they do an incredible job digging information for us. They do, but on on this one, they dropped the ball. They may have been, uh, you know, pulled away at work wherever it is that they work, and just didn't didn't get back to finding these stats they should have but um yeah colby looks good great handles good ability to penetrate um, can hit from the outside um i don't know his status for sure in terms of whether or not he's walking on or coming on scholarship but he he definitely looks like a quality player yeah i again another another guard um that that can handle the ball for drake last year if it wasn't Roman or if it wasn't Roman or Connor, with us kind of it. And now it feels like we got four or five guys that can handle the ball, no problem. Um, so it's nice having some depth in that regard. And you got you got one more to touch on, Mr. Patrick Bath. Tell me a little bit about him. Oh, I'll tell you about Patrick Bath. He is from Totina Grace High School in the Twin Cities. Uh, our first. Uh, Minnesota recruit, I think since, is that our first since what, Sam Jones, maybe? Are you, I was going to say, are you forgetting Mr. Joey King? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That, he was something else. Um, uh, Patrick Bath is a 6'9 forward. I know earlier in his high school career, he had offers from Cal Poly, Siena, South Dakota, and Valpo. I don't know whether some of those are a little bit older. I know I saw at least one person on the message board and saying that we had a walk-on recruit on campus. I don't know if that was Patrick or not, but from from the footage that I watched of him, he's a fundamentally sound player. Not the fastest guy on the court that I've seen, but good fundamentals. He does a nice job of using his pump fake on the perimeter uh, to get his defender off their feet before he then takes it to the basket. If If he puts in the work in terms of just getting stronger, and working on his physical game, he could be a good player for us. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have a lot of scoring uh, from the four or five slots for Drake, you know what I mean? Um, I guess you could consider Tucker playing the four at times. Um, but, yeah, just hopefully he can get a little bit stronger, a little bit quicker. I think he has pretty nice-looking jumper, give us some versatility at the forward position. Yeah, absolutely, because his his form and his jumper is nice. A lot of times yeah, you'll see big guys especially struggle with the jump shot, and he doesn't. It, it looks good. Yeah, well, those are that the that's the roster, and I know that there's there's one recruit still still left out there that still has Drake as his one of his final three. Yes, so the recruit that Eduardo is referencing is Carlos Rosario. And Carlos decided to go with the opposite of the Joe Yesifu approach and leave Washington State. He's a 6'7 junior forward. And I think this, this is the kind of guy 
that fans throughout Drake Nation have been calling for. Time and time again, you hear people say, why can't we get that hyper-athletic, you know, like 6'7", 6'8", guy? Because, you know, those are, they're easy to find. Nobody else wants them. Uh, why isn't our roster full of them? But uh, Carlos is one of those. And he is, uh, he's taken visits to Drake, Toledo, and ORU. And he's set to be making his decision here very soon. Yeah, it would be, it would be a good ad. Uh, absolutely. Uh, he's had, he's had some injuries. I feel like he hasn't played a whole lot. You know, if he's healthy and definitely definitely add some size and athleticism for drake uh i i hope i hope he's a good i hope he one i hope he picks drake and two i hope he can stay healthy yeah i, I mean i'd love to see him in that four spot uh, just adding some more length to the court i know in high school he averaged um i think right around 13 points a game in college due to injuries he he didn't play much at washington state but out of high school, he had offers from Mississippi State, Utah, and Washington State. So clearly, the potential is there, and I definitely trust in our coaching staff to develop him and into what we need. So hopefully, he's smart and chooses the Bulldogs. Yeah, so I'll, I'll definitely be excited either way, but I I won't I won't be able to get excited in the same way because you know we make fun of bradley fans for getting excited over guys that average like two points a game so i feel like uh <laughs> we, we would we would be right there uh with the excitement level but but again like we said he was injured a whole a whole bunch yeah absolutely i mean and and when you have a roster full of guys who've proven themselves you can afford to to take a shot on a guy who has sky high potential um, and hasn't gotten a shot to to show it yet at the D1 level, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Drake does not need this kid to be, you know, a 15 and 8 machine. They just need athleticism length and the occasional game where he does have a game like that because obviously he has the skill level to do that. Yeah, and, and under uh, the coaching staff's tutelage, I'm confident that they could make him into a, a great player. So should we jump on and try to figure out some lineups for next year. Yeah, I'm I'm curious on your on your takes. I I have my my opinions, I guess on on how I would devise the roster, but so get, give give me your your starting five. You know, your your coach DeBreez, who are you rolling out uh, to kick off the season? All right, let me put on my coach DeBreez hat. This is extremely tough. Partially because we haven't actually seen any of these these guys play yet, so these takes might sound really stupid. Come fall probably. when we actually see the team in action. Yeah, not probably maybe, stupid. Probably, but if I had to guess, um, I'd say we probably start Kyron Gibson at point. You know, Connor just played his first year last year, so he's definitely he's learned the ropes. I would say playing with Roman, and he's he's turned into a great player in his own right. Um, Chiron, it's difficult due to the COVID years because I lose track of eligibility for people, but I believe Chiron is a senior. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, senior transfer, averaging 11 and 4 from another school, I would assume that uh, Coach is going to put him as our starting point guard uh, with Connor then coming in with him and potentially playing alongside him at times like he did with Roman. In the two spot, I think it will be a toss-up between Atten Wright and Kevin Overton. 
as you know, I'm all in on the Kevin Overton fan club. I think he's going to be outstanding. My gut tells me we'll probably start the year with Atten at the two spot. And then maybe as KO gets a little bit more time uh, and adjusts to the Division One level, maybe he gets a look in there. Uh, or maybe they slide him in at the three at times. Yeah. But but my initial instinct is they probably go Chiron, Atten, bring in Ethan Roberts at the three, the uh, the Army freshman of the year. Obviously, Tucker at the four, starting there. And then the big man down low, Darnell Brody at the five. I like it. I like it. I I agree. I I, I kind of feel a little bit bad for, for Connor. Uh, but truth be told, I think, he plays better when he has a chip on his shoulder, so I think he'll be even more impactful off the bench, trying to get that starting starting spot. But I do think it'll it'll be Gibson uh, running the point. I mean, I I kind of feel like Wright will be better off the bench, uh, kind of just like that scoring punch. So I I guess I would personally go with Kevin Overton starting. And again, obviously, you know we're we're super smart and knowledgeable on guys that we've seen play just on Twitter and watching their highlights. So this is obviously an extremely informed opinion. And then I think Ethan Roberts, Tucker and Darnell, I mean, I think that's your three, four, five right there. I, w- I will say, I mean, if we're, if we're looking kind of as how the the roster is constructed, I, I do worry a little bit about, what Drake will look like defensively um, with Tucker playing a lot of the four. I, I think he's better playing at the three. Um, and I think Sturts, even though he was a smaller guy, would end up kind of playing the de facto four for Drake uh, in a lot of situations. Um, so I, I am curious, like, how we're going to shuffle that around mm-hmm. with with Ethan and Tucker. Um, and again, I think Tucker has developed into a pretty good help defender. Um, he's generally good at just meeting people at the rim and going straight up. Um, but yeah, you know, to me, Tucker's more of a three. But between Ethan Roberts and Tucker DeBreeze, I think Tucker has more potential to play as a four. Uh, so, so yeah. I think he kind of just automatically slots into the four position. Yeah, it's tough because it would be great if we had someone with four size who could also shoot from the outside. Yeah. In there, because I think if you put in Connor Ferguson at the four, not Connor Ferguson, Nate Ferguson, apologies at the four slot, I think that limits spacing too much. Yeah. You know, like he's got the size, but you, I think you need someone to be able to knock it down from outside. And if you have both him and Brody in there at the same time, it just turns into a clusterfuck in the lane. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, I think when you when you look at the at the roster, I think you have. You have a really nice core eight, um, and I think they'll give you some a really, really good variations of different types of lineups. Um, you know, when you have, you know, you can go just guard heavy and and just play with Brody at the five, you know, four out one in. You could you can have just okay, let's put a little bit more speed. Now let's go with size. Now let's go with all shooting. Um, so. Yeah, it's uh, I think from offensively, I think Drake will be much 
I can't. I don't know if I would. I would say they'll be much improved, but I think their team is going to play a lot differently. I, mm-hmm. I think that the way the team was constructed last year with Roman and with some of the guys, like you, you did have to, you did have to be very, very precise. Um, you did have to rely on 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 a lot of really good action and ball movement, and I think that'll still be there. But I, at the end of the day, like to have a really good offense, you need guys that can really attack the rim. And last year, it's impressive that Drake was a good offense without really having that type of guy. Um, and now I think they have a couple guys that can give you that give you that scoring punch. And then, again, it's it's all about putting pressure and drawing pressure. And Roman was was good at drawing pressure, uh, but also was just a little bit more undersized uh, at the guard position. But no, and I I think. There will definitely be times in this season where you see DeVries go with the small ball lineup and we'll probably get the best of both worlds with Atten and KO uh, where where we'll see something like, you know, like Chiron, Atten, Kevin Overton, Ethan Roberts, and then DeVries in the five spot for spot. Like, you know, the the Warriors small ball lineup of death back in the day. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you have a lot of things that you can play with and a lot of different versatility and it's different because we have gotten so accustomed to like this is how Drake plays. Like we got our experienced squad. Like this is how we win. This is how we run things. And and it was very effective. But now we now we have a roster that it's like okay, are we going? You know, are we gonna go big? Are we gonna go small? Where do we slot in Tucker? Like where are we putting Ko? Like where are we putting Gibson? Like you have. A lot, a lot more flexibility now. Um, so that's that's where you know Drake's ceiling has probably been raised a little bit. But obviously, you, you still lose some of that experience and some of that institutional knowledge uh, that just left the building. I guess my biggest question for next year would be, what are the announcers going to talk about now that they don't have the combined age of our starting lineup? Wow. Yes. Wow. I don't know. I mean, because if you're calling a Drake game, you can only talk about three things. You can talk about the, our super experienced team. You could only you could talk about Tucker DeBreeze being the coach's son, and you could talk about Garrett Sturts uh, being a six three, one hundred and seventy five pound guy that gets a lot of rebounds. Uh, so you've lost two of the three. So, I mean, unfortunately, I think it's just going to be an overdrive of, hey, Tucker is the coach's son. It's crazy. Like, uh, yeah. we should hit, we should talk about that 19 times in the broadcast. Do you know what might be nice is if they interviewed either Tucker or Darren and sort of asked them what it was like either coaching your son or being coached by your dad? I mean, it 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 is it is just terrific analysis. I I hope that someone does ask that question this year. I can't I can't believe it's been two full years and that question hasn't been asked. Um, so I'm looking forward to the answer of of what that means and and then possibly getting Darren Darren's perspective of every moment what that was like. You know, hey, is this this is your seventh non-conference win. You know what. What did that mean for you and your son? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if the mood gets too serious, they could always lighten it with a joke about uh, what if he hadn't come to Drake? That would have made for some awkward family dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we never we never hear those comments. We never hear those comments. 
but hey i hear it's it's probably fun to to play for your dad you know not that an announcer has said that before uh i i am encouraged like dark horse maybe more more connor talk you know replacing the garrett sturts talk you know just slotting in as the hey token white guy that we should talk about you know yeah. so good potential for connor there to get some some air time um but you know just just excited to see uh where what kind of storyline storylines can you talk about with drake now that uh now that our super seniors are gone it's a very exciting time to be a <laughs> broadcaster covering drake basketball i mean i'm i don't know about you but i mean i'm excited i think i think drake has another another great shot at at winning the valley and and being right there again Again, whenever you have so much turnover, uh, roster turnover, like it's it's gonna take time for things to gel, and it's gonna take time for, it's especially for Debris's teams. I mean, I think that when you look at, you know, aside from from the first year we made the tournament, where obviously we got off to that awesome start, uh, really most of Debris's teams at Drake have been they build up towards the end of the year and so i kind of expect the same thing is going to happen you know we'll probably look sometimes okay in the non-con sometimes good sometimes not so great and then i expect conference to hey we'll get our feet wet and then slowly build into another you know top three finish in the valley most likely yeah i don't know for sure yet i know you and i returns virtually if not everybody um, on last year's squad, but I think Drake will be getting some first place votes again. I don't know if if we'll be the uh, designated choice for preseason first it's, place, but we'll be up there. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it, when you have a, a lot of teams that also have had some change, uh, you and I isn't one of them. I think obviously, like you said, like they'll pretty much be kind of the same, the same, the same guys, just more experienced. Uh, I, I do think you and I will, will be a step up from this past season. Um, I think, I think Belmont uh, will be pretty good still. And I, I don't know, I'm Missouri State, like SIU, like what, I, I don't have a good, a good read on those programs right now as to what that's going to look like. I think Bradley will still be, will still be pretty competitive. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to pinpoint you know what that upper upper class of the valley and i guess the one the one i've omitted i, I think indiana state will be pretty pretty darn good yeah shirts has been doing a great job there and now that he's getting a chance to sort of build his momentum and getting some of his players in there i think indiana state they'll be a dark horse to win the league missouri state feel free to uh, call me out bears fans if i'm wrong on this but my prediction for you is that you will probably have the best roster top to bottom in the league and you will finish in third to fifth place i i i love that i love that uh missouri state seemingly has drake's number in the regular season but we always beat him when there's a game that actually ends your season so we can still hold that over over missouri state <laughs> I mean, they're they're always they always have great talent. They play tough, but inevitably they just don't seem to make the adjustments that other teams make. This past season, like the valley was really was really tight, and I kind of think that it's probably going to be similar. I don't see just like a massive separation. Um, I think you can make a strong argument for Drake being um, the number one team, but I I think you're going to kind of have the same thing where you have 
kind of like a a tier one of four five teams and then kind of like a tier two and then a tier three um and they'll kind of slot into those those positions and it'll be it'll be tight i i will say kind of looking at some of the teams that were in the in the bottom this past year uic i think looks a lot better will look a lot better um they added some guys obviously uh former uh former loyola guard marquise kennedy drake drake fans know him well he you know he's a good pickup but they also added a, a couple other guys to their squad that are just I think they just got a lot better and I, I i always gave them a lot of credit this past year because i i thought that even though they had a rough year i thought that they really competed and that they rarely got blown out and now they kind of have a, a better roster going in so i think uic will will take a little bit of a of a bump up in the valley yeah i mean i know they landed uh there was a 6-6 guard named nathan ajuku i'm yeah. probably not pronouncing his last name but I know Drake was was recruiting him and UIC landed him. So, yeah, they're off to a good start with their roster this year in Chicago. Well, that's all that's all I have for you, man. I mean, I think we're going to be pretty good. That's the summary. We should have yeah. said that at the beginning of the podcast and then people didn't have to listen to the whole thing. Yeah, people could have skipped the details and gloss over, you know, our 15 new guys that we have coming in. Yeah, you should uh Take a quiz at the end of this podcast to see how many of these new players you can name without looking online, because I, I know we're bringing in a ridiculous amount of new faces and names. Yeah, I feel like we need to like post just like a graphic with the podcast of these are the names we just talked about. You should remember them. Yeah, I don't know that I would pass that quiz at this point in time. But uh, yeah, no, I think... Um, I think Drake's going to be right back there in contention for first place in the Valley and um, making a return trip to the tournament. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the new season brings. Just announced that uh, the Bulldogs are taking a overseas trip to Spain, I believe, in the offseason. Um, so hopefully we'll we'll get to see some results um, from the teams that they play there. If any of them are streamed, we'll definitely do a podcast about the results if we were able to watch them. But yeah, excited to, to see what the future has to bring for Bulldog basketball. Um, as I mentioned earlier, be on the lookout for part two of the Dolph Pulliam interview. And, you know, as far as programming notes for Drake basketball podcast, you know, we'll continue. We'll continue to fire up the pod um, as we get some more Drake basketball news that filters in. Um, and we'll also do some other fun podcasts um, throughout the offseason. But we still we still got a little bit of time before we can uh, start talking actual games. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon. Mm-hmm.